0: Today, unleashes. today I have a very special guest in my podcast, his name is Steve Hoffman, he lives in the San Francisco area and Steve is the captain and the CEO of Founders Space. Now, I think it ties in perfectly with the season what we're doing and Founders Space was ranked the number one incubator for overseas startups by Forbes and Entrepreneurial Magazines Hoffman is also a venture investor and serial entrepreneur and an author of several award-winning books. How cool is that? Welcome to season nine of Unleash Your Focus podcast, the number one place to be to start, grow or scale your online business. This season, we have stepped it up. I am not just diving in behind the scenes to understand what makes these entrepreneurs successful, but throughout season nine, we will be giving away prizes every single week that you can win books, courses, coaching programs, vouchers, and so much more. You will not just get the knowledge from the experts on the actual episode, but we will send you a transcription on email every single week with a summary and a call to action that you can implement in your business. To qualify for prices, please make sure that you are on the email list so you don't miss out and share this with friends and family that you think needs it in their life. Go to Unleash and register today. I can't wait to share these episodes with you. See you on the inside. Hi, Steve. How are you doing?
1: It is fantastic to be here, Joy.
0: Thank you so much for your time on this podcast. I'm very excited. And I'm always so excited to talk to authors because I think writing a book, never mind in your situation, several books, but writing a book is so much, you must have so much knowledge to pour into a book and it takes a lot of time to write a book, right? And um, so I really appreciate your time and and sharing your knowledge with us on this podcast. I thank you for that. Can you tell people a little bit about you? Who is Steve on a normal day?
1: Sure. Sure. Like, I'm a passionate guy. So I'm passionate about doing what I do, which is really helping startups succeed. And I myself have been an entrepreneur. So I founded two bootstrap startups and three venture-funded startups in Silicon Valley. So I've done a lot. I've been doing startups. And then I launched Founderspace, which is really a startup accelerator where we bring in entrepreneurs in early stage companies and help them figure out their business plan, figure out their customers, launch their products and raise capital. And that's what I do on a daily basis. I'm also an avid traveler. So like Founderspace now, we have 50 partners in 22 countries. So, you know, pre-pandemic, I was traveling 70% of the time. Lately, I've been doing a lot of stuff online, but now that I've been vaccinated, I'm traveling again. So I am Really excited about the coming year.
0: That is really really cool. Can you tell us a little bit about how how did Founders Space come about? What what make you what was your decision? Saying I'm actually starting this company.
1: Well, after my third venture funded startup,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I was taking a break. I needed a break, so I was I was taking a break, and all my friends started to come to me. And my nickname in Silicon Valley is Captain Ha. So they were like, Captain Captain, help me with my business plan how do I get in front of investors? How did you raise all that money? So they kept asking me all these questions. I answered their questions, And then I decided, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs have these questions. And this was a while back, over a decade ago. So I put up a blog called Founders Space, And I started posting all the stuff that I would recommend entrepreneurs do and the things they shouldn't do, all the pitfalls. And more and more entrepreneurs started coming. And eventually they were like, start your own accelerator. So we launched our accelerator, and then all these people from overseas started coming and we started to branch out. We actually started to send our instructors who are all entrepreneurs, you know, to South Korea, Taiwan, Europe, China, all over the world to work with entrepreneurs locally. And then we started to set up some foreign incubators with our partners overseas, and it just kept growing.
0: That is amazing. And you know what? I I have so much respect for you in that regard, helping startup businesses. I have I have this dream to I know it's going to sound cliche, but this is like my thing. And I want to help as many businesses as I possibly can to pop up in the world, because I truly believe that that is the one way to break poverty, because if people, you know, can start a business and yes, it's not easy. And yes, probably the first few years in your business, you will be in poverty. But thereafter, you can help to create jobs. And, you know, it's just a beautiful sight I site. agree. There yeah. is no power,
1: more powerful force than entrepreneurism for uh, boosting the economy. Because you look, if you're a nonprofit, it's great. There are certain problems that only nonprofits can address. Mm -hmm. But honestly, it's hard to scale those. Like it's hard to grow those because you're always at the mercy of getting more philanthropists. You always have to get more money to Mm -hmm. do more. If you create a business and it's a good business and you're delivering to the customers, it grows on its own. And, And it's a great thing, not just for you, but for your children too, because, you know, that's it. If you have a business, you have some security, like you yeah. at a job, you can, you you can get laid off anytime, but your own business, there's a higher degree of control. And there's so there's no ceiling, there's you can there's no, the limit is what you make of it.
0: And have you noticed that, because I know there's been quite a lot of stats, especially in America, that just there's a lot more businesses. Yes, a lot of businesses failed with the pandemic, you know, within the initial first lockdown two years ago. But also a lot of businesses have started up. Have that helped your business in a lot of ways to help these entrepreneurs? It has. So it's, you know,
1: right now. There has never been a better time to get funded. There is more capital out there from venture capitalists and angel investors in any time in history, in our entire history. Mm. And that's not just in the United States. That's around the world. Like, mm. uh, so and that's been great for my business. The fact that more people are trying, mm. even though a certain percentage will always fail. Um, the more people are trying, the more successes we see. And even the ones who fail a lot of times end up joining those companies that are taking off and benefit from the growth of those companies because they have a lot of experience. They've been, they've been in the trenches. They know what it's like to start a company. So yeah. entrepreneurs aren't locked into anything. They're always moving around, recombining with other entrepreneurs, launching new things. It has been a phenomenal time for us because that is what we do. The, you know the, this we're like a growth engine. And and really a training facility because we train a lot of people at just the idea stage. Like what do they need to know to get going?
0: Yeah. And that is so incredibly important that you guys do that because I remember when I started up about, well, probably almost close to about three and a half years now, because I've had many failures before actually having my business that I have now three and a half years ago. And um, But failure is not just obviously, you know, you do something and you hate it or it just is not for you. But failure aside when I started three and a half years ago there's a lot of research out there you can get down in this black hole of information and it contradicts each other and then you're reading this it's like oh I should do this and actually this person says no you shouldn't do this you should do this so and I think that's a lack of things that's actually happening in the world is because people need a foundation to go to or like your program to go to to actually go and learn about how you actually start up a business because it's easier to go to somebody like yourself being a coach and then people you know You you teach people how to do that. What has been your biggest challenge with with your business in that regard?
1: So, a biggest challenge is helping entrepreneurs succeed. So, honestly, it's hard. That's why I wrote my book, Surviving a Startup, because the majority of startups don't survive. Like, and even Mm -hmm. even those startups that get funded by venture capital firms, a lot of them disappear. So, you they 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 seem great one day, and the next day they aren't working. So. In my business, you know, a lot of the hardest thing is changing the entrepreneur's perspective. Because mm-hmm. I will tell you, the number one mistake entrepreneurs make is that they don't let go of their ideas. Like they have an idea, they latch onto it, and they're like, they associate the idea with their identity. So That's if the idea true. fails, mm-hmm. what the, the, their initial idea fails, then they think they fail. When that couldn't be further from the truth. So like what I try to do early on is say, look, the idea is just an experiment. Like if you were a scientist and you ran an experiment and the experiment failed, would you think of yourself as a failure? They're like, no, it was an experiment. I'm a scientist. That's what I do. Say, well, you are a business scientist now. Like I want every entrepreneur to put on their, their goggles and their and their their white, you know, their their white cloak and go out there into the world. Mm -hmm. And start experimenting because, and try lots of ideas. Like entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. I think entrepreneurs try far too too few ideas. And what you want to do is, you you know, you're going out into this world and you're saying, if I did this, if I made this change with technology or business model or design innovation, some form of change, what would be the results? And a lot of times you can't predict the Mm -hmm. results. I'll give you a great example. I know the founders of YouTube. When they started, YouTube was a video dating site. Most people don't know it. Video I, know dating.
0: I actually look into the history and I was like, what?
1: <laughs> what? And, you know, video dating doesn't work. It sounds great. Like, and they were at the beginning of broadband. It sounds like, yeah. oh, of course, everybody wants to see who they're going to date before they go on a date. But nobody wanted to do that. No, people aren't. Are, so, <laughs> so they were failing yeah. and their brilliant idea came simply because they were out there being an entrepreneur, like they were out there doing something. And then they decided, you know, they wanted to share a video amongst their friends and they are like, how do we share this video? Like it's hard, like videos are big files and we can't share it, you know, by email or anything. So they uploaded it to their site and shared the link. That simple insight. Oh my God, it's so easy to share a video. Why don't we enable this for other people? That they didn't say we're going to build the largest, you know, broadcast and online entertainment network the world has ever seen. They didn't start there. Yeah. They started somewhere totally different. And then, you know, by experimenting, and this is what I'm talking about, they discovered what's real. So I'm telling entrepreneurs, you might not even think these little things you're doing in your companies are mm-hmm. going to be the next big thing, but you got to be open to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so incredible. If you look at startup businesses, I mean, like just people don't realize all around us is startup businesses, you know, like literally the MacBook and phones and light bulbs. And it's all entrepreneurs that have started. They once had this brilliant idea that wasn't just created in a flash moment. It was maybe the idea was then a flash moment, but the work behind it takes so much time. Do you feel like with you and what you guys are doing because I think it's just so amazing what you do. Like, Let me just make sure that you, you know, get my feel on this because I think it's incredible. But do you also feel like when people come to you and they want to start up, that they have a lot of doubt and confidence and belief issues within themselves and in ideas? Or are they very driven people to just get going on this startup of theirs?
1: There are all types of entrepreneurs. So yeah. there are entrepreneurs who are very secure in what they're doing, mm-hmm. very focused, determined to succeed, mm-hmm. and they don't let anything stop them. Uh, there are entrepreneurs who can wind up being very successful who don't have those traits, who are That's insecure, good. who are worried. You know, uh, financially, it's taking a big risk. Uh, emotionally, it's 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 a roller coaster ride. So, uh, you know, part of our job, and part of the human job, like you said, there's all this information on the internet, like on our website, Founder Space. We have tons of videos, and it's really valuable. But at the end of the day. A lot of people need that human touch. Like they want to be with somebody, really connecting with them. They want to be with other entrepreneurs who are going through the same thing because uh, it can be a challenge. Now, I know in my personal life, like there, I had so many challenges starting out. You know, I wasn't a business major, like I was an electrical computer engineer uh, in undergrad and then grad school. I did a crazy thing. I went to film and television school. So, you know, the first time I launched my first company, you know, I felt very insecure. I didn't have an MBA. I didn't even have a you know bachelor's degree in business. I'd never run a business. I didn't you know know accounting. I didn't know any of this stuff. Yeah. Um, yet my first company was very successful. But it was a challenge. You know, I I would tell you every day of that first company, I doubted. I doubt it it's like am I wasting my time is this stupid should I just be <laughs> getting a good job what am I doing like this is crazy but I just kept going yeah. and I muddled my way through it and then when I you know came out with a product that was successful I couldn't even believe it myself I, could, <laughs> I was I was like oh my god people actually
0: will buy this yeah so okay I love this conversation, Steve. It is like, it's so refreshing to speak to people that are in the same niche than me because it's not a lot of people that want to help start our businesses because it's it's hard work, right? It's like teaching kindergarten in comparison to university because this is brand spanking you. Now I can imagine that there's like, obviously we talked about like the challenges that's involved in that as well. But what do you find the most rewarding out of what you do?
1: I find for me personally, mm-hmm. I my brain loves puzzles. So I love it when I can merge my mind with the entrepreneurs and we can start to think of the possibilities that like, where could this business go? What could you do? What, you know, are there other ways of looking at this business and adding value to these customers that nobody has tried yet? And then we start spinning on that. And like, I just got off the call with uh, a, an entrepreneur, won't tell you his idea, but we were just like, oh, well, what if you could do this? And what do you, oh, and there would be this opportunity and that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'm going to, right after <laughs> this, our talk, going to talk to another entrepreneur who's really struggling, like really struggling. This guy is amazing, super talented, super driven, super personable and smart. You, you know what? He, he can't pay his rent. He hasn't paid his rent in 3 weeks. Oh. So he begged his landlord not to kick him out, and he needs money. He needs to get funded like yesterday. And so he's going to be out at the end of the month, and he doesn't even have money for utilities, for food. He spent it all on this startup. And I'm in there trying to help him. Like I'm like I'm introducing him to investors. I am going over his model. I'm trying to show him what in his model that investors are resistant to. Mm-hmm. Like literally at, you know why? It, he, I want to show him why aren't investors putting money into this, mm-hmm. so that he can understand what he needs to do to change that. And mm-hmm. then I also told him, look, get a job, get a part-time job, oh, whatever it is. Yeah. Like you've got to survive because you're not going to honestly, you're not going to solve these problems overnight. Like you, you might pray that an investor will come in tomorrow, but these, you know, these are the issues you still have to solve, and that's going to take some time.
0: So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was gonna be when you said that I was like, oof, he needs a job. Because like, yeah, I mean, that's how all...
1: that was my advice to him. Just please
0: Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, all entrepreneurs start like, I mean, I was the same. I was employed, I had a one-year-old, and I started my side hustle that obviously turned into this now. But it's it's you have to have some income because it's so much more stress on you, and you can't think clearly if you don't have a side hustle and income coming in.
1: Yes, and I feel his stress.
0: Okay. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your book, Steve?
1: So my book, Surviving a Startup, is yes. published by HarperCollins. And I wrote it because I've had just decades of experience doing this, you know, out there with entrepreneurs, my own companies, and now hundreds of other entrepreneurs that I work with. Yeah. And I really wanted entrepreneurs to be able to better navigate their way to mm-hmm. success, it's like avoid those pitfalls. And I can tell you, I fell into most of those pitfalls myself i can you know what what i do in there is like there's a, a lot on closing deals because entrepreneurs like i was terrible at that like you know now i'm pretty good at it i'm pretty good at like going out closing but when i started I was clueless i'd never sold anything in my life i didn't know how you did that and then i started to figure out systematically mm-hmm. like if you're going to close venture capital what do you need to do like mm-hmm. what you know what are the keys? And I learned, like, I'll just tell you a couple of the things I learned. Like, these are in the book. So, number one, it took me over a year to raise my first venture capital, over a year. And the first thing I learned was I had these angel investors that were just hanging on. They were like, they wanted to see what would happen to us, but they wouldn't commit. And they were taking up tons of my time, like, going back to them. My first thing was if somebody can't commit after three or four meetings with them, if they can't commit, Kick them off the fence, like get them, just tell them they're not in the deal. Now it's hard to do, and I couldn't do it when I first started because they I needed love, I needed somebody who liked my company, uh, you know, who liked they were showing me love, they were showing that they believed in my company, but they weren't believing enough to take action, so they were just sucking up my time and giving me false hope that they would invest in the future. I will tell you, serious investors after three or four meetings, they will put down their money. And Mm -hmm. if they don't, they're probably never going to put down their money. So you are losing almost nothing by saying, look, if you can't if you can't close now, I can't keep engaging with you. That's number one. Number two, in order to sell somebody. And I learned this the really hard way. Like I had this big venture firm that's committed to giving me the money and I spent $60,000 on legal contracts. And you know what happened? Uh, they, we did the whole contract, everything crossed every T, dotted every I. And I said, give me my money, my $5 million. You know what they did? They said, ah, oh, we think we want to wait a little longer. What do you mean? We want to wait until you launch your product. Your product hasn't launched yet. And I was like, but you said you would give me the money when we signed this. And then what could I do? So I waited, right? I waited for them. And two months later, my product launched. It was a big success. It was with FIACOM and MTV and this big thing that we bootstrapped. And I went back to them and I said, okay, give me the money now. And they said, okay, we'll give you the money. But at half the valuation, we promised. I was like, why? My product was successful. Half the value. Because they knew I was desperate for money. They Mm -hmm. knew it. So you know what I did? I finally woke up and I walked away from it. I said, screw you. Like, I don't want you in my company. I don't want you on my board. I don't want to deal with you. I walked away and I learned some valuable lessons. Number one, I should have walked away two months ago like mm-hmm. two months previously, when they had told me that they were going to wait after they promised to invest. That was the red flag. It was right mm-hmm. there. And then I should have had other investors lined up. Like mm-hmm. I just banked all on them. So I was in a really bad position for the next six weeks. Christmas is coming. All the investors are going. Pure torture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you I will tell you, you can close a deal when you get the investors more afraid of losing the deal than they are of losing their money. Like if they're more afraid of losing the deal, that's when they commit. If they think they can wait, they'll always wait because it de-risks the deal. They can sit back and see, and they can maybe get a better deal from you. They can see what happens. They're not going to invest. So these are just a few of the kind of nugget, my personal experiences that I drew upon uh, to write the book.
0: And it's so sad that they would do that because as also, you know, as a startup entrepreneur, I can you know imagine that you can be also quite desperate for funding and they know this and they'll probably play on that as well. And if you don't have anybody lined up, then, you know, they're going to play on that, that as well. So they it's quite call, sad that people do that.
1: We call them vulture capitalists and we don't call them that for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> they, come, they, they will come in, you know, But there are all types. There are really great investors out there who really care about the entrepreneurs and and really help them. And then there are those who would do anything.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You want to avoid those.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. So Steve, this podcast is about going behind the scenes to understand what makes successful people successful. And this season specifically is about the experts. So what do you think in your expert opinion? um, What is the best thing that entrepreneurs can do to start up their business, aside going from absolutely nothing, say maybe they have an idea, to actually generating their first dollar? What would advise? what blueprint advice would you have for them?
1: So when you, as an entrepreneur, are starting out, uh, first figure out what type of business do you want to build? Like, do I want a lifestyle business? And that's usually, you know, it can be a small business, you can be a Mm -hmm. solo entrepreneur, you can be with a couple other partners, maybe a few employees, but it's a business to support your lifestyle. If it's that, Don't go out to raise venture capital. Like, don't waste your time. Don't get any investors. Like, you need to pick a business you can bootstrap because nobody wants to invest in that. That's maybe your parents might or your grandparents, you know. But it's really a donation. It's not an investment. So uh, the type of business that investors like are businesses that we call scale, meaning they grow exponentially. These are the unicorns out there that you see that growing so fast. Those are hard. Like, it's hard to come up with those ideas. It's hard to execute on those ideas. That's why they're worth so much. If they were easy, everybody would be a billionaire. Um, but they're really, really hard. It's much easier to do a small business that, you know, you know, a consulting business, you know, running a store, a restaurant, whatever it is. Um, but if you're going to do a truly scalable business, you need a couple things first. Number one, don't spend any time building your product. Don't spend any time talking uh, to venture capitals or investors. At the beginning, I'm talking at the very, very beginning. So even, and this is where people get, uh, are, you know, get confused, don't spend much time on your idea because your idea is probably wrong. Remember I told you YouTube, like they start off as a dating? You know, it's probably wrong. You don't know what, you don't want to spend forever building a product, thinking about it, doing all this stuff, and it's wrong. So really good entrepreneurs do two things at the beginning. The first thing they do, is they, they pick a direction. I want to go this direction. This really interests me. I'm interested in the idea of you know, the f- remaking, making a sustainable fishing industry. I want to help make the fishing industry more sustainable. Or I want to go into the restaurant business with technology and change how people run their restaurants. So, it, it, it But within each of those, there can be a lot of different businesses, a lot of different ideas. And that's better than narrowing it down. Because when you narrow it down, you get attached, like I said, you, you, you don't want to try other things. But going into it openly, then you go out and find other people in the real world who share that passion, who want to do that thing. Those will be your partners, but those can't be ordinary people. Can't be your cousin, Joey, because Joey, you know, you know, Joey can't be your old roommate because they're just there, you know, as your roommate, it has to be excellent people. Because if you don't have surround yourself with excellent people, you're not going to build one of these great startups. What you'll do, even if you have the best idea in the world, you'll start with it. You'll fumble the ball Mm -hmm. and somebody else with a better team will pick it up and begin to execute and they will score. So you need the best, spend 80% of your time on the team. Once you nail the team, once you get this amazing group of people around you that you're like amazed they would even work with you, like they could be at Microsoft or Google or somewhere else, they could be, you know, doing incredible stuff, but they chose to work with you. Once you have that team, you go together into your industry, where the customers are, into the restaurants, onto talk to people, run, you know, fishing boats or whatever, you know, you're doing and start to run different ideas by them. Look, where are their pain points? What are they, what are they having trouble with? What what are their priorities? What are the top three things they want to get done? And could you use new technology or new business model innovations, new design innovations to actually help them achieve these goals? And that's where the magic starts. It doesn't just come out of your head, you know? It comes out of that interaction with the real world. And if you do these things right, you're off to a good
0: start. That's amazing advice. I really love that. Thank you, Steve, for sharing that. That's really, really cool. So... If you come across, so this is a question that I always ask on my podcast. So for somebody that is sitting on the fence or that starting a business, that is, or they have a business and they're stuck, what advice would you have for them?
1: So if you are stuck, and I know a lot of people who are stuck, (laughs) it's easy to get stuck. You can get stuck at the beginning because nothing's working. You can get stuck in the middle because like your revenue starts to plateau or dip. You just can't get reach that next goal. You need to rethink your business. You need, I'll tell you, so there are a couple things you need to do. First, if you feel like you're Sisyphus, and that's the, the Greek myth of the guy rolling the boulder up the hill, only to have it roll down again, and then you push it up, if that's your business, admit to yourself something's wrong. <laughs> I feel like Sisyphus right now, that means you need a radical change. When, when entrepreneurs come to me and say, Captain Hoff, Captain Hoff, you know, I, I, should I quit my business? You know what I tell them? Absolutely. Quit, quit today, do it. You know why? Because nobody wants to quit their business. If they're asking me, it means they already know their business isn't working. They Mm -hmm. just want permission to to, to stop doing what they're doing. So the first thing you need to do is if it's not working, you need to to go to the core. Is the core value you're offering your customer really compelling? Like, is it something that when they see it, they're not like, oh, that's pretty nice. Because, you know, when something's pretty nice, like think of you download an app on your phone. You're like, oh, that app's pretty nice, and then you forget about it. Exactly. And a, a, a month later, boom, it's deleted. <laughs> you know, you deleted that app. No, you go. All the answers are here. The answers are in your customer. So, who do you want as your customer? Are they your existing customers, or do you want to go after your new customers? Go and show them. St- start to engage them. What do you what do, what do you need? What aren't you getting from competitors? Start to ask them questions. And when you come up with an idea. If you present it to them and they go, oh, that's nice. Go, you know, Come back when it's ready. Forget it. Like They'll never, never buy your product. But mm-hmm. if they go, oh my God, that's amazing. I need it right now. How can I get it? Well, can, can we start working together now? Can you give that to me? When can I get it? If they give you that response, you have something. And if mm-hmm. there are enough other customers out there like that, big enough market, then you're in good shape to get mm-hmm. going. This is what you do when you're stuck. The answer lies in interacting with your customer.
0: I love that. As a marketer, because I've got a marketing agency, I also teach small businesses how to market themselves. So this is that's my superpower. My podcast is just my fun thing that I do, that I've got a passion speaking to other people. But one of the things that I, I teach, one of the very first things I teach is how to understand and know your customer, your avatar, and really hone in on that. And it's sometimes it's very undervalued. People don't they use the basic demographics, you know, like where they live, the age, the gender, and then that kind of fades away. But they don't really hone in on the avatar. Is that something that you guys do? Do you really hone in on your avatar and who you're serving? As we think world? that's
1: absolutely vital. We think it's really important to not just like fill in the generic stuff about who your yeah. customer is, yeah. but to actually know them as people. Like go into the real world. Talk to these people, yeah. like engage a with
0: them, have
1: a conversation, mm-hmm. find out, you know, I always like, you know, you know, your customer when you know their top five priorities, like what, what are the, what do they really care about? And mm-hmm. if you aren't in that top five, you have no business with them. Like we're all too busy. Like if, if, we, if it's priority number six and you come to me and I'm like, oh yeah, that, that would be, that's, that's, I do need to do that eventually, eventually. I'm calling you back eventually, which could be never, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, unless that just happens to come it in up into my top five at some point, I'm never calling you back. Yeah. So building that avatar, knowing them inside and out, really knowing them, like, you know, a lot of the best entrepreneurs out there, they're their own, they're the customer, like they build a product That's because true. they want it. Because mm-hmm. it's not in the marketplace. And then they find out, oh wow, I built this for my, you know, a lot of other people want this. I could commercialize it. I could make it a thing. So we see a lot of great startups that started there, like Slack, you know, the communications company. They were actually, they began making a game. They were a game company. Like a game company. Like they put this game out there and it yeah. was a really cool idea for a game, but it failed. Like nobody yeah. wanted to play it. Nobody was interested. You know what happened next? Uh they, the, the CEO was struggling. He's like, wow, I raised all this money to make a game and nobody cares about my game. He looked internally to the company and he found out, Oh, we built this communication software that we're using. My engineers are using to communicate with each other. It's hacked together, but they love it. I think other companies could use it. So it was something they built for themselves that they loved and they took it out. So either you're the customer and you really understand the value of it, or you have to go into the real world and, and figure. And like you said, create an avatar know that customer get as much experiential data as well as actual you know uh, demographic data and other data buying habits and things like that but also experiential data as possible.
0: I love geeking out on these things, Steve I'm actually thinking that I need to create the next season of my podcast needs to be about founders and startups and you know like great I'll be back <laughs> <laughs> just because it's just it's just so fun because looking at histories I mean even like, like when netflix started and you know like like big companies out there how they started and the initial things behind it's just so fascinating right and then people just go and they just give up because something fails it's so sad to see that instead of just reinventing the wheel of what you have and just keep going with it and you know there's
1: the thing is you're never a failure if you never give up that's it like you can quit as many projects as you want you know experiments as you want exactly but uh there's always new opportunities because technology is always changing. Markets are changing. Trends, new trends are happening. There is always a new opportunity. You never run out of chances. It's not like you have three chances and you're done.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I look like, one of the first things I ever did in my life when I was actually five years old, as I made beauty jewelry with my cousin, you know, and then I had a jewelry thing going on until I was in my twenties. Like it was just a, I just reinvented the wheel. And, and even then since then I had multiple little things popping up that failed. And I was just like, well, there's, there's always a way around it. And it's, it's, it's just interesting because I'm thinking of like how I was thinking when I had all these failures and it's other people think the same way but you grow, right? So you obviously notice you grow as, as you start, as you know, and you know, failure is actually, you need to fail to succeed because that's part of the whole journey. Do you guys teach confidence and self-worth and belief and things like that within your program, you know, to help people to overcome these limiting beliefs that they have?
1: So I do teach it online. Uh, I haven't, you know, in the programs itself, we're a little more You know, we should do that. Honestly, we should do it within our physical program. But I've been doing it online because I believe, like in my own life, it's been really transformational. Like, I believe that, you know, they say, are entrepreneurs born or are they made? Right. And what I believe is it's both. So there's some people who are never cut out to be entrepreneurs, exactly. I'm sorry. You would yeah. be better as a researcher, a professor, yeah. you know, yeah. a librarian, I don't know. But you, you know, you, you are not naturally suited. You know, entrepreneurs, you have to take a high degree of risk. You have to be able to deal with uncertainty. You have to handle stress well. You know, there's certain things that you need, you need to be able to do. Now, some of those you can overcome. So, mm-hmm. and I believe whatever you do, at the same token that some people can't be entrepreneurs but everybody you know who's above a certain threshold and it really meshes with what they like to do you can become way better way better so can entrepreneurs be made absolutely you can be made into a much better entrepreneur and you all but you have to focus on self-improvement on on understanding where you're weak mm-hmm. uh, and and where you've made mistakes in the past recognizing them and then going in and addressing them like, how can I, you know, for first of all, like when I began, you might not believe me at this point, because I'm pretty proficient at speaking, but I was a horrible public speaker, like horrible. Like it was the, it was, no, my, my first startup, our, my employees just laughed at me when I went up on stage because I was so nervous. I was shaking and I couldn't get the words out right. And, but you know what I did? I just kept going up there and making a fool of myself over and over and over. And it didn't happen overnight, but gradually Mm. I started to get the knack of it. Oh, I don't have to be so nervous. You know, you do something enough times and it becomes like, oh, it's not a big deal. You do it the first time and you're like, I was a shy person. I was freaking out. You know, out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know, out of, but so that's one thing. Sales, you know, I mentioned to you, I, really wasn't a salesperson when I began I had to figure the whole thing out mm-hmm. train all the the beauty of today is this it's like no other time in history all this information is out there on the internet all mm-hmm. the people like you mm-hmm. like are you can just reach out to people now like experts around the world mm-hmm. and for very little money and sometimes for free mm-hmm. you can either tune into their podcast or engage them personally and mm-hmm. get coaching all of this is so much more accessible than it's ever been. So the the, the the ability to actually, and I believe people can reprogram their minds because, you know, literally I was a very shy, nervous person. Like that is how I was born. But now I'm a very confident, not nervous at all, can handle almost any situation and do not get stressed out. Totally different from my anxious former self. Yeah. <laughs> so, So am I a different person today? yeah i'm a completely different person do i remember who i used to be yes but that's not me now it's like it's another person like i don't feel that way anymore it's really interesting
0: it's so funny you say that because um one of my my goals eventually is to speak on stages not just yet Mm -hmm. like i'm happy with my podcast at the moment and also in new zealand there's not a lot of opportunity for things like that but um so I will have to travel, you know, to be able to do that. Yeah, go to this China. Ch-
1: I spoke on I spoke on a stage in China to ten thousand entrepreneurs.
0: <laughs> was that crazy. is crazy. That is yeah. Ten this huge, huge
1: like. But I'm just saying that that'll get you over your stage fright. <laughs>
0: like when you're you know, the 10, funny thing but Steve, I'm not like stage fright is not because I've I've done some trainings in the past where I mm. do that, but I'm not stage fright is one thing, yes, and I'm I'm sure I will have it. I, I do that, but even with my podcast, because I'm I'm close. Well, I'm, I'm actually now on 80 episodes that I've well not wow. more than 80 episodes, but 80 interviews that I've done because I've done obviously mm-hmm. solo episodes as well. And I remember the very first time when I interviewed a high profile person that made more than five million a year, I was freaking out I was literally my hands were shaking under the table and I even said to him I said I'm literally shaking to interview you like I was so nervous and he laughed because he thought it was so funny and I was not I was just like (laughs) ah but it's it's and now and this morning I had a a very privileged to interview somebody like very 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 high profile and um I was completely relaxed, like I, you know, and this is just like I am, and it's it's amazing. Yeah, you
1: seem perfectly comfortable doing yeah, exactly. Training.
0: And it's how you grow, right? And even looking yeah. back a year back, and it's just is that entrepreneurial journey. And this is also why I have this podcast because I want to help entrepreneurs that feels like they're just not gonna get to that point of, you know, I can be there, I can actually do that. Because it's and, and I love that you tell these stories because. People need to realize that you can rewire your brain to be somebody that's bigger, better, and I guess yeah. Our,
1: our brains, even our personalities, yeah. are very malleable. Like they're they're you by exposing yourself to certain things, by changing how you think and perceive yeah. the world, you can do amazing things. Like stress too. Like I used to yeah. get stressed out, and, the, and but now I've done so many things, and you know I always remind myself when I start to get stressed out you know in your life like you had things a year ago that or you know if if that you were stressed out about and can you even remember them today like most of them you can't even remember 99% like of the things you were worried about you don't even remember like so and why am I worrying about it now because I won't remember this a year from now it must not be that important
0: I love it that is so true that is exactly that is so so true so what kind of habits do you have on a daily basis? What is your success habits that you do daily? So
1: I believe in incremental improvement. So we don't change our, you know, anybody wants a quick fix to like who we are or what do we do, it doesn't happen. But what you want are small achievements. So, you, you know, people become these marathon runners. They don't run the marathon the first day they're training. <laughs> they like set things. a small goal. They're like, yeah. I'm going to run half a mile. Like I'm going to, and I know a lot of people like this, who started running marathons late in life. You know, they weren't like young. They're like, I'll start with half a mile, but they had this big goal. When they achieved that, they allowed themselves to feel really good. They're like, yeah, I can do that with no problem. Now, half a mile, let's push for a mile. Let's push for five miles, 10 miles, you know? And before they know it, they're running a marathon, but it's the same of all your habits. I think you are your habits. You are what you do over and over. So in my day, priorities like I always know what my top priorities are and I try to laser focus on those number two I try to make sure that those top priorities are aligned with big outcomes right Mm -hmm. like the outcomes that will really be transformative in my life not outcomes that will be an incremental you know little improvement on so but I don't expect to get there to those outcomes instantly it's going to be a process Mm -hmm. I also I'm pretty disciplined about like when I go to bed, I don't stay up all night. I make sure to get plenty of sleep. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's really important to have a, a clear mind. I uh, focus every day, I exercise uh, every day. And, you know, my, one of my tricks for exercising, uh, getting myself to exercise, you know, I'm not a natural, like, I just love to exercise guy. Um, but what I do is I also love information, ideas, books. So I listen to audiobooks and podcasts as I go out running or walking, and I'll tell you, like, it's amazing. Like, I don't want to stop, especially if it's a good one, you know, a good podcast or a good book. You want to keep going. So, um, kind of combining, and and I'm also learning. So I'm learning as I exercise, and I'm like doing both at once. And otherwise, I wouldn't have time to you know listen to and absorb as many things. That has been fantastic. And when I eat, I. Try to keep healthy Healthy by one simple diet rule. So first of all, it's called the one plate diet. <laughs> so whatever you, you want to eat at a certain meal should fit on one plate. If you have to go back and refill that plate, you're going overboard. Like that's that's a no-no. Number two, just make sure healthy food is on that plate and don't buy junk food And put it in your house because you will eat it like I have no self-control like if there's a bag of chips there that bag will be gone like (laughs) by the next time I go shopping if there's ice cream in the fridge I will eat that ice cream it won't just sit there so um, and it won't last long so buy the food that you want to eat in your house and do the one plate rule and don't eat between meals boom Mm. boom you except for maybe fruits or vegetables something like that Mm. if you need a, a pickup but that That is all you need to do. And then, so all of those combined and then spend time with family and friends. Like I always make extra time. Like I don't try to work like, you know, they say you have to work all the time, but that's wrong. Like, honestly, even if you work 24 hours a day, you're not gonna, it's how effectively you work that counts. Not the sheer hours. It's what you're working on. Are -hmm. you going the right direction? So keep that in mind.
0: Yeah, I love those success habits. And it's so cool because- I always dive into the success habits on the show and it is amazing how when you follow just like being healthy and like I am exactly what you're talking about like I am on my treadmill every day listening to a podcast or I watch something you know like a, video, a YouTube video on a podcast or something you know that's educational and it is it is really important to combine the habits and it is exactly it because it motivates you to keep going until it's finished I, I really yeah exactly I
1: you'll, you'll put
0: in that extra half an hour <laughs> Yeah 100% agree. Steve this has been fantastic. How can people reach you? How can they reach out to you and get a hold of your books or you know just have a conversation?
1: Oh super easy to reach. Yeah. Just anybody can just go to foundersspace.com founder mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. They can reach out to me. My contact info there. We have my podcast there, all my, my you know different my books surviving a startup, you know, yeah. all of it's there. And we have a special offer for your members. So Amazing. for one of your members, they can win our online starter program, and that's our full yes. three-month online starter program. That's a Thank big deal. You. So no. uh, you can give that away to one and just let me know who it is. And for the second uh, gift for everybody, this is open to everybody. If you want to learn the 10 commandments of raising venture capital, mm-hmm. just go to founderspace.com 10, the number 10.
0: Awesome. Thank you. And we will definitely drop the links below. And if you guys right. have not done so already, please subscribe to this episode and share this with other people that can benefit out of this. And Steve, thank you so much for all the knowledge that you have shared with the audience and with me. And thank you so much for your generous gift to the audience because it ties in with the season, guys. This season is about the experts sharing their expert knowledge to help you guys grow and scale and just even starting up a business if you don't have one. And thank you so much, Steve, for tying in with this, with this I would say, beautiful idea dear that we have in the world. And, you know, I, I just think that it's what you do is absolutely amazing. And I thank you for that. So thank you so much for your time as well. Thank you, Joy. Cheers.